0: And we're live, Eddie. Welcome to the podcast. On this week's episode of Let Go and Listen, I have the pleasure of speaking with Edward Rodriguez, personal trainer in Chicago, also my brother. How are you, man?
1: I'm good. Thank you for having me. How are you?
0: I'm pretty good for a Monday.
1: Yeah, Mondays are always tough. I always feel tired and a little sluggish on Mondays. So, um, but the workout we had in the park earlier definitely helped.
0: You want to tell everybody what we did?
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, we're in Aurora, Illinois right now, and it's one of the nicest days of the year so far. It's like 50 degrees outside. Uh, Sun is shining. There's not a cloud in the sky. Yeah, finally. So uh, breaking out of the hibernation. And uh, instead of going to the gym, which is the usual routine on the Monday, we decided to go to the park. And we brought some strong fit sandbags to the park and uh, we spent like an hour there. Carrying the sandbags and just playing around, just moving. So,
0: um, Do you want to explain a strong fit sandbag?
1: Yeah, so strong fit sandbags are, in my opinion, in many people's opinions, the best sandbags in the industry, in like the fitness industry. Um, they come with a one year warranty, but basically they just don't break easily. They don't pop on you, they don't rip and tear. So. You can put them through a lot of abuse. You can throw them. You can do a lot of different things with them. So I'm a big fan.
0: And is that your preferred method of working out?
1: Yes. Uh, sandbags are my favorite piece of equipment besides the sled. Sandbag, sled, and body weight is really all you need to to get it done.
0: So um, let's just jump right in here. Okay. Okay, so we were talking about last Stop. week... About uh, the benefits of sandbag training and getting clients that Mm -hmm. want to push themselves versus those clients in the gym that are just there to hang out.
1: Right, right. So
0: how do you combat that? Because you're in a gym where sales are the goal, right? Right. Numbers are the goal, not the people. Right, right. So how do you, what do you do to combat that environment? Or how do you operate in that environment when people are your focus?
1: Mm, right, that's a good question because that's the main struggle I have right now is as I'm getting deeper into the human movement specialist field, mm-hmm. uh, like that. that's what I am aspiring to be because right now I'm just a personal trainer, just like, you know, I started at this gym a year and a half ago and coming up on two years actually, and I was just a personal trainer with an exercise science degree and a mm-hmm. certification, just like The thousands of other people who started in the industry. And then I came across this man, Julian Pinot Mm -hmm. of StrongFit. And I was in Starbucks one day and I'd spent about six months listening to his podcasts and YouTube videos. And I was like, this is the guy. Because he wasn't just about like what you're talking about, like sales and numbers. And Mm -hmm. he was about how deeply can you affect somebody, uh, another human being by getting them out of pain and making them move better. So, um, oh, I got a little off track there.
0: <laughs> okay, so we are talking about <laughs> you are human movement. You want to be a human right, movement specialist. Right. So you're interested in helping people. So at the end of the day, you're interested in the people versus the numbers. Yes. And so two years ago, right, when you started at the gym, the sales part of it was something that was unexpected for you, something you've never done before.
1: Right. Okay, so how do I how do I deal with that? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, this whole time I've been struggling with that, but I'm, I'm starting to realize that. So the numbers are definitely important because I need to pay my bills and the gym needs a certain number out of me
0: and they need to pay their bills. And they need need to pay their their bills.
1: The business needs to keep running. Mm -hmm. So the business side is definitely important. So, uh, I just feel like it's too emphasized. Um, where the human side of it, the, the people side of it, isn't given enough uh, enough credit. or Enough eno- consideration. Enough, enough consideration, exactly. I think it's too much about the numbers. So I'm just trying to focus on hitting enough numbers mm-hmm. to keep my manager happy enough so he doesn't want to fire me. And to keep the gym at a level like they don't want to get rid of me. But also, I don't want to get my numbers too high to where I'm losing the quality of my sessions.
0: So when you are setting your own personal goals, if numbers are not like the priority, mm-hmm. and then how do you set your goals in terms of people?
1: In terms of how...
0: Like, how do you find your goals when people are the focus? Because mm. you know, a lot of people define their goals by their bottom line. Like, right. okay, I want to have X amount of dollars or I want it like the gym. I want to hit X amount of sales this month.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah. That's another good question. It's, I think it's how does the person feel at the end of the session? Like, do they feel like they're a better person? Mm-hmm at the end of the session than they were when they came in to see me.
0: Okay, that's good. So
1: as far as a daily goal, that's my goal with each person that I train. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then more of like a monthly goal is how many of those sessions did I have? Okay. So that's what I really use to define my success. Like how deeply am I affecting these people? How much am I helping them change their lives for the better? So,
0: so how do you quantify that, or how do you measure that? Like, do you ask them? Do you survey them? Do you see, like, if they're renewing their membership with you?
1: Right. So, a big one is, are they continuing to train with me yeah. longer than one month?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because less than a month, it I didn't do my job. I didn't connect with that individual because this. It takes about on average like six months to really understand the principles I'm trying to teach these people so if they stay with me less than that time then I didn't connect with them deeply enough
0: so when you say six months how many like on average how many Mm -hmm. hours a week are they spending with you because you charge at an hourly rate so that's like three hours a week
1: so on average it's two two yeah okay it's two hours a week which I think is 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 okay Uh, ideally it's three Okay. But uh, I think one one is too little. Mm-hmm. I think two is two to three. But on average, is two.
0: On average, is two. And on then average, y- two. You encourage them to... You don't give them an outline for when they're in the gym by themselves, right? Right. You're a little bit different in that regard.
1: Right, right. So I don't give my clients any programming to do on their own. Um, I tell them how to do things and I explain to them why to do things so they understand what we're doing. And then I tell them, Go and play and experiment and try things on your own. Because you don't need a program if you have things to work on. And we all have things to work on. That's the point of a coach is to tell you why you need to work on things, how to work on things. And then you go and work on it on your own. And then you come back to me and tell me what worked, what didn't work. And then we go from there. So that's why I don't give a program. Um, And I also don't give a program because I just don't think it, it works. Because people get too focused on the program, which is the what, Mm -hmm. and they're not, they lose focus of how they're actually doing it, which is how they're moving their body? Yes, how they're moving their body, how well they're contracting their muscles, basically quality over quantity.
0: And what about the why? Because I really think that when you are working out or when you sign up for a trainer, let's say in the beginning of the year, like Mm -hmm. everybody floods the gym because they want to lose weight. So how do you kind of weed out... The why there.
1: Okay. uh, Or how
0: do you help people get to it?
1: This is a good one. This is one of my favorite things to do. So people come to me. I see a lot of people, like you said, especially at the beginning of the year. And uh, they tell me they want to lose weight. They want to get stronger. They want to lose body fat. And
0: maybe we should pause and explain like the corporate setup there. Because when they sign up for the gym, they're assigned to you, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. I just wanted to let the people know that.
1: Okay. Right. So. The way I get clients is I have to either prospect them off the floor, which is basically connecting with people, talking to people, engaging with them. And then the gym also gives new members free personal training sessions. And they try to give them to the <clears throat> excuse me, they try to fit people with the best trainer that fits their needs and goals. Okay. But they don't really do a good job at that. They kind of just have a system as far as numbers. They just rotate through. They just everybody. rotate through. So um, you get set up as a trainer, you get set up with these random people who come to you. Uh, every few months you get a few people and they, you sit down with them, you have a consultation with them and you go over the goals. And so for most people, they want to look better.
0: That's it? Like that? I want to look better?
1: They well. They explain it as I want to lose weight. Ah. That's most people. I want to lose weight. Mm-hmm. So the next step is to dig deeper into why they want to lose weight like do you want to lose body fat or do you want or do you just truly care about the number on the scale right because usually the number on the scale is a very shallow thing it's a, it's what's the deeper thing driving that number and usually it's it's how somebody feels when they look at themselves in the mirror right so it's a feeling so i try to get to that level like i want to feel better about Mm -hmm. myself because that's a much deeper goal Uh. than Changing a number on the scale. Yeah. So that, but it's hard at the beginning because we don't know each other yet. So the trust is not there. So they're not going to, most people aren't going to tell me their whole life story and like their things that really hurt them and make them like sad about themselves. So it's tough, but I try to get as deep as I can. And then uh, I explain to them the goal of the first session is to put them through uh, an assessment Mm -hmm. to see basically What are you able to do Mm -hmm. because if somebody comes to me and says they want to lose weight? I'm like, okay, that's great But what can you do? Like I don't know if this person Even knows what their obliques are. I don't know (laughs) if they can breathe properly. I don't know if they can hinge like I have no idea what they're capable of so For me the weight loss is like not even an issue at that point It's just show me Mm -hmm. what you're capable of physically and then more importantly where are you at mentally? Mm. Like, how ready are you to change?
0: So, how do you assess that? Okay, in so your workouts,
1: right, right. And so, this is where I differ from a lot of uh, all of my colleagues. So, explain to the person: the goal today is to see how willing you are to do this. So, uh, we use the sled because the sled is very simple, mm-hmm. so it's very low eccentric meaning there's no resistance on your joints. Uh, there's there's very low weight bearing, and then there's very low skill. So I could put grandma on the sled, yeah, and she would know how to do it after a few pointers. She would be okay. And if she needs to stop, she'll be able to stop. She'll be fine. Right. So it's very safe, it's very simple, but the whole point is to see how much a person is willing to push themselves. Like how bad do you want it, basically. So we start with the sled. We um, First we go over some openers and things like that some strong fit openers i uh, have them carry the sandbag to see how do they walk under load that's one of the greatest assessments you can do give right. somebody a sandbag that they can handle see if they can engage your obliques without blowing out their back and have mm-hmm. a mark with a sandbag and see what does anything jump out at you is one shoulder hiking up is their do their hips hike up are they on the outside of the feet like Can they not breathe? Are they freaking out because they've never done this before? (laughs) So a lot of things jump out just by doing the sandbag. And again, the sandbag is very safe. If you need to drop it, you just drop it. So So we start with the sandbag.
0: You can weed them out from there. And then what's your next step?
1: Right. Then we weed them out from there. We see if this person is just like, fuck this. I'm not, you know, this (laughs) is too much for me, man. I can't. No, thank you. So we see if they make it through that. Do you have
0: some people that do that? They're like, yeah, fuck you, Eddie. I'm not coming back.
1: Yeah. They don't tell me like that. They try to be nicer and more polite, but they just take their time. They go get water. They go to the bathroom.
0: You know, actually, this isn't what I was
1: looking for. Yeah. Oh, no, thank you. I was looking for something a little bit easier. But uh, yeah, so those aren't your people, right? Those are my people. Uh, Those are the people who drop the bag every time they keep looking at me because another big thing is I don't. I give somebody the sandbag, explain how to use it and why I'm having them use mm-hmm. it. To, it's going to show me things. And I have them go. And they're just walking back and forth on their own in the gym. A lot of trainers I see when they have people do carry, loaded carries, they walk with the person. And they like talk to them as they're walking. What's and I'm the like point of that? What are you doing? Yeah. Why are you having a conversation? Like this person should be focused on what they're doing. Right. So it always weirded me out. I was like that's so needy
0: yeah that's really weird like
1: you can't step back and let the person do the thing you have to walk with them and like it's like just hold their hand and...
0: yeah you may as well yeah. so I want to take a minute to stop here and talk about. So you're talking about the people that you're weeding out, but what about? Because I know you have a very specific niche that you've kind of developed over the past couple of years. Mm -hmm. So like, what does your ideal client look like then? If it's not the person who's like you, whose ass you have to kick yourself, right? Right. right. You kind of want someone who's like willing and able to kick their own ass, just doesn't have the tools to do it.
1: Right. So my ideal client is somebody who's like comes to me and they're like, look. I don't know what I'm doing, but I enjoy coming to the gym. Mm -hmm. I know I need to be at the gym. Like I have no problem getting to the gym. And here's why I'm here. I have, whether it's their kids, they want to stay healthy for, whether they're tired of being fat and Mm -hmm. out of shape, like they're just tired of being weak, basically. So somebody who has a why, they have no problem getting to the gym, but they just don't know how to do what they need to do to get to where they want to go. So a deeper, that's my deal.
0: Uh why that's deeper than I want to lose weight, right?
1: Yes, yes. Exactly. Uh almost all of my clients are not weight loss clients because it's just not it's not deep enough of a goal. Okay. And I'm not willing to just bypass somebody not being able to move well and just have them burn calories. Mm. Because that I just it doesn't sit well with me. Like, yes. if, if it's my nature, better to help people move better and get mm-hmm. stronger and healthier and free of pain and teach them how to lose the weight on their own versus just not teaching them anything, just giving them a bunch of exercises and keeping them moving for an hour, right. but they didn't learn anything. Oh, okay. Because so there's just, a big difference yeah. there.
0: So then what are some, can you share some of the whys of some of the people like... You don't have to say their names, mm-hmm. but just what are some of the deeper, meaningful whys? Because I feel like there are a lot of us out there that just kind of show up at the gym every day because we think we should be there versus like really focusing on why we are there every day.
1: Oh, totally. I would say it's most people. Yeah. Um, I have one client. He's in his 50s. And about three years ago, he went to the doctor and the doctor told him, if you don't change, you're going to be on pills the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, heart medication blood pressure medication like cholesterol medication things like that mm-hmm. so it's like look you got to change your lifestyle and he took a long look at himself and he's like okay it's time to change so he went to the gym and he hired a trainer and that was you no so that was my colleague but oh, okay. then my colleague left the gym and and recommended that the client start training with me because oh, okay. he thought we'd be a good fit and uh man i've been training that guy ever since, and. His why is so deep, he he basically doesn't want to die prematurely because he's unhealthy. So when he comes to the gym, he's pushing himself to stay off of those pills. Because he's like, fuck those pills, I'm not taking those pills. I'd rather push the sled because I know that's going to keep me off of medication.
0: Put in an hour of work. Yeah,
1: put in an hour of intense work and I can keep my freedom.
0: And so that's been he's been with you almost since the beginning, right?
1: Yeah, almost since the beginning, so over a year. Wow over a year. and uh, it's really cool to see because with that why he's been able to do things he never thought he could. And
0: so. has he stayed off the pills or been able to do eliminate any of the pills? that Yeah, you've he's
1: on? totally stayed off all the pills. Wow. So each time he gets to check with his doctor, his blood work comes back better than the last time.
0: And his movement is better,
1: yeah, so that's a big thing um that's why I like working with people whose goal is to be healthy because then we can really work on everything mm-hmm. like we don't have to just I don't have to just keep him moving the whole right. time it's like hey, your shoulder doesn't work right let's show you how to fix it let's show you why it doesn't work right so he came to me with um he had two knee surgeries, really bad knee pain, and he had really bad shoulder pain so we just Broke those down, and I showed him he was missing some things. Like with his knees, he's, mm-hmm. his hamstrings weren't where they should have been, so we fixed those. And then with his shoulder, his lats weren't where they should have been, so we fixed those. And now he's in much less pain. And, and more importantly, he knows why he was in yeah. pain, and he understands how he got himself out of the pain. So we showed him how to fix it.
0: So, as a guy, as that client has been with you, like, kind of from the beginning, Mm -hmm. do you think that, because I find this with some of my clients that have been with me a little bit longer, I kind of test things on them. Oh, okay. And because you have a little, like, you've established trust, right? Yeah, right. Would you say he trusts you? Yes. Yeah. And so, at what point, well, at what point do you think that changed for him? That, do you know when he started to, like, believe in you or trust your methods?
1: Once his pain started going away. Okay. he That's when it clicked for him, like, okay. Like, I can trust this guy because what he's telling me is working. Oh. So, it was like, there's no reason for him not to trust me at that point.
0: And did he come to you and say that? Like, hey, my back pain is lessened. Or my knees have lessened. Or is it just, like, a mental shift?
1: Uh, he did come to me and say that. He's like, man, my shoulder... My shoulder pain went away because he was on the verge of surgery. Mm. He went to the doctors and they told him he had bursitis of the shoulder and he was probably going to need surgery. So I said, man, slow down. Let's see if you just maybe don't have strong enough lats or you don't know how to use them. And so it took a few weeks, you know, Right. and we built the lat. And then he was like, man, my shoulder feels amazing. Like this is working. So,
0: so he's an, an advocate for you.
1: Definitely, he's a huge advocate for me. But it, since the beginning, too, he, when I explained to him how I do things and why I do things as far as training, he bought in from the beginning. After we did the first few sessions, mm-hmm. he he was bought in. He was like, okay, I'll try this. So, so it's just been getting deeper and deeper as far as the trust ever since.
0: Right. So yesterday we were talking about lead by example
1: right? a little bit. Uh-huh. So
0: it sounds like you know, for these clients who buy in from the beginning when you explain your why and then your how, and then like this guy, he was like from the beginning, okay, I'm about this. Why do you think or what sets your clients apart from like the other clients of the other trainers at the gym? Like, how do you think that they're a reflection of you?
1: The biggest thing is toughness. Okay. Uh, And talking about people who I look for, mental toughness is another one. Like, and that's it. Comes back to the assessment with the sandbag and the sled. Like I'm going to give you some simple things mm-hmm. that you have the ability to do, but we're going to see if you're willing to do it or not. And the people who are willing to do it are tough. It's that simple? At this point, they're tough enough to push through that, and that's the kind of person I want. So when I train my clients, I give them things that will make them tougher, but. If they fail at them, it's not gonna break them physically. Mm-hmm. Like it's not gonna mess their joints up, but it'll push them and it, it'll test them. So that that's what separates my clients apart from other clients I see is the toughness. Like they're able to do how do you say? It? I don't know. To some more,
0: just push themselves farther.
1: They will push themselves farther, but they're able to accomplish things that they don't even train for. Mm. Like they're, because the way I train, I prepare people for nature, for life. Right. Whereas a lot of other things I see in the gym is let's prepare you for safety. Like uh, this, for example, if, uh, Bench pressing or or dumbbell presses in a certain grip hurts your shoulder. Okay, let's press in a different grip so it doesn't hurt your shoulder. But in my mind, that's making the person weaker because you're not explaining to them why it's hurting their shoulder in one way. Right. Like, let's figure that out first instead of just skipping it and saying, this doesn't hurt your shoulder. Let's do that.
0: So when you are... So if your clients are, are, you're defining them as the ones that are mentally tougher than the other clients mm-hmm. in the gym. So then how do you, when you're working out next to the other trainers, would you say that you're the one pushing yourself farther and you're mentally tougher than the other ones?
1: No. I would, uh, as far as like when I'm working out on my yeah, own like your and training. other trainers are working out on mm-hmm. their own, some, some of them, yeah, but some of them, man, they're just as tough. So, so
0: then where's the disconnect in their clients?
1: Okay, that's a great question. This is something I've been thinking about for a while. Mm-hmm. Like, why aren't you allowing your clients to go to the mental place that you get to go to? Right. The mental place that you push yourself to? Yeah, that's Why really don't you let your clients do that? Because that's how I look at it. Why don't you let them have the opportunity to do that? Because that's what it is. It's like when you show people how to push the intensity without physical damage mm-hmm. without breaking that's like a gift you're saying here be more human
0: mm-hmm. like, and you're telling them it's going to be okay yeah
1: it's going to be okay like it's going to be tough and scary and it's a new place you haven't been mentally and physically but the, at the other side you're going to be okay and right. not even that you're going to be better Right? you're going to be a better person after you do it than the person who started it So, and I'll be here for you, but you'll be all right. You'll be fine.
0: So why do you think, I just don't understand why these trainers don't want to push their clients harder? Because I feel like when you go to the gym, and I have done this before, and you sign Mm -hmm. up for a personal trainer, you're paying that guy to kick your ass and do things and push you to places that you wouldn't normally push yourself.
1: Exactly. Right? Like,
0: if he's going to do or she's going to do the same Workout that I could have just done by myself, right. and not like guide me to go deeper. Right, right. Then why am I paying this person an hourly rate?
1: Exactly. Uh, I think a big part of it comes to mediocrity. Like, okay. I think um, I think the better question is why wouldn't people just do the easy route? Like if I was a client and my trainer was letting me get away with like the easy stuff, human nature. I'm like, okay, cool. I can coast because it's easier to coast.
0: Yeah. So if you don't have
1: somebody holding you to a higher standard, why would you go to the higher standard?
0: And you probably feel like, okay, I went to the gym today, worked out with my trainer, I did everything he expected. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You checked the
1: boxes. Yeah. You
0: still feel good, but it's like a false. It's a false good.
1: It is, and the thing is, I don't know if they know it's a false good, like a false good feeling, like. Like they don't
0: know what it means to go deeper.
1: Right. They don't, because they've never tried and the trainer has never asked them to try to go deeper. So I don't know if it's a mental block from the trainer. This is what I'm starting to think is the trainers, if the trainer's not willing to go somewhere Mm -hmm. as far as intensity and um, just quality over quantity, like really going deep into something and the whole idea of better is better not more is not better right because that's what a lot of stuff I see is more is always better it's like no just do one thing amazing and just do one thing as hard as you can like a sled sprint yeah so I think a lot of trainers aren't willing to go that deep into the rabbit hole themselves so of course they're not going to ask their client to do it because they've never done it themselves
0: So what do you think that is? Because I think that idea of doing one thing amazing can be applied to marketing too, Mm -hmm. right? There's so many people out there that are like, okay, I started this business and I just want to do everything. I want to flood all of the channels and reach all of the people. But the problem is...
1: All the social medias. Yeah, yeah.
0: you'll never reach everyone. So why expend all of the time and energy it takes on a broader scale? Mm -hmm. Why not just narrow your focus and go deeper with that?
1: Maybe there's less validation.
0: Do you think that, okay, so people are getting like quicker validation?
1: I think so. Surface like level validation? Service level, like if you have more clients, you're validated more. You have more numbers. Yeah. You have more people uh, versus having a smaller number of clients, but reaching them better, like deeper, like actually helping yeah. them. So I don't, I don't know, maybe. And
0: I think, too, it can be hard to say no to people. Like, from a marketing perspective, if you have a, a specifically defined niche mm-hmm. market, like you at the gym, you know who you want to work with. Right, right. Having to say no to people, which then affects your bottom line. Yeah. Right? So mm-hmm. if you're a numbers person and you're saying no to people, business or money because it doesn't fit your niche. Yeah. I think for some people it's hard to do that. You have to decide what it is you're after.
1: Totally. Totally.
0: And like in the beginning, you need to, when you're establishing your brand and your trust and who you are, then you kind of have to like experiment and Mm -hmm. test with people. But then I feel like you get your footing and you're like, okay, these are the people I want to work with. Yes. These are the ones, the ones that are hungry, the ones that are driven, the ones that, yeah. Because for me, it's not the the side hustlers. Like, marketing, everybody needs marketing, right? Mm-hmm. So whether you are, like, in a pyramid scheme and you're just doing this to make extra cash for fun or you're actually the CEO of your own business and you're trying to take it to the next level, like, you need marketing. Right. Like, you need marketing. Right. But I don't want to be marketing for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I want to work with the people that, like, you... They're mentally tough. They're yeah. hungry. They have a vision for the r- business. Yeah. If you don't yeah. have a vision for your business,
1: Yeah,
0: maybe it's not defined. Yeah, maybe, maybe
1: it's not defined. It's not perfect. Yeah, like
0: maybe it's not actually written down anywhere and I can help you with that. But mm-hmm. if you don't have mm-hmm. a vision and you're just out there going through the motions, like you got bigger problems. Yeah, I can you got help bigger you fish it. to fry, yeah. dude.
1: Like what do you want me to do? Take
0: a step back yeah. for a second. Yeah, exactly. So I know that when you started personal training Mm -hmm. you were focused on the fitness aspect of it right yes yeah like fitness and you went to the julian pano seminar Mm -hmm. in england but at what point did you realize that you're also going to have to focus on the business aspect of it because i think a lot of solopreneurs yeah people in business for themselves are like passion small business owners
1: Mm -hmm.
0: at some point you can know like Just doing the work, the reason why people are paying you, is not going to help your business grow. Right. You have to step out of that role.
1: Mm, Exactly. So, I really started understanding that probably uh, back in August. and
0: So, like, over a year after you'd been at the gym already?
1: Yeah, over a year after I'd been at the gym already, because... Up until that point, the numbers kind of came pretty easy. I think like beginner's luck. Um, I was I'm pretty good with people. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I unless you're I, tired. <laughs> unless I'm tired, then I'm I'm out. I'm, yeah. I'm you can't talk to me. I'm out, man. I'm gonna I'll take a nap. So I I had that threshold as far as yeah. conversation. Um, but when I started at the gym, I I really caught some momentum. Like I skyrocketed to the top. I think I was one of the fastest people to mm-hmm. hit the session goal because there's a session goal which is 84 sessions a month so i was one of the fastest people to hit that it took me like three months and then man i was coasting i had all these clients it was like the snowball effect Mm -hmm. so i and then uh i kept that pretty consistent and then in august all those people i had trained like Man, they started moving away to, like, different states. They stopped training because training is expensive. It's $100 yeah. an hour. Yeah, right. So they just took a break. So I kind of lost everybody at once. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit.
0: And you're 100% commission, right?
1: Yeah, 100% commission. So I'm like, I don't have anything set up. <laughs> like, I have no structure in my business. Like, I just do everything kind of off the fly, you know? Right. Because so you weren't saying, running a business. You, right. I wasn't You're running just a business.
0: going in there
1: to train people every yeah. day. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So that's when it hit me. I was like, how am I going to pay my bills? Mm-hmm. And how do I get a system in place to replenish the people who I know are going to stop training? Because training is not forever. So that's when I really started to ask questions like, what do I do now? So that's when I came to you for help.
0: Right. So what was the first thing we we talked about? Your mission statement. Your yeah. Why.
1: Yeah. First, get that written down. Like, why are you training people? And then um, the next step, I think, was the niche, right? Yeah. Figuring developing out. Developing your target audience. Yeah. Like, who are you looking for? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we started talking about more marketing stuff. Like, how are you mm-hmm. marketing yourself?
0: So what have you done? What have you actually executed? Because... We meet on and off now and then, mm-hmm. but not like we were in the beginning. Right. So I think the newsletter was a big one for The you. newsletter
1: was a huge one. Uh, so I do the newsletter once a week, and it's, just, it's like a blog. So I send that out once a week to former clients, current clients, people that I connected with at the gym, and it's just a really good way to keep in touch. So that was a big one. Um, and I have a lot of fun with that too, and I get to say what I want to say. Mm-hmm. Like nobody has a say in it but me. So that was a a really big one for me.
0: What was the reaction when you first started sending out to people? Like, were people responsive? Because you'd never sent one before.
1: Yeah, so people were very responsive in the beginning. I had a very high percentage of people who read it, and I got a lot of great feedback. Um, And then... Like, two, three weeks into it, I got some people who started dropping off. And then I got some people who said, don't email me anymore. (laughs) So, But I was like, this is great because now I'm weeding more people out. And then there was people who I thought were, like, with me, who were kind of on the team. And then I realized, oh, no, they're not. Mm -hmm. They don't want to hear what I have to say. So I was like, that's good, too. So it really showed me who's in it and who's not. Like, who is my... uh, client base like who is my audience
0: your core my client. core people yeah mm-hmm. who
1: wants to hear what I have to say so it was really good
0: did you get any business as a result were you able to bring anyone back that hadn't been training with you in a while
1: yeah I brought a few people back and I kept I'm keeping in touch with people just through that who will probably come back to train sometime in the future or when I eventually start my own thing uh, so definitely it's a great way just to keep in contact with people who I normally wouldn't really reach out to so. and
0: so you had the newsletter that's one thing mm-hmm. and then you had set some goals for yourself right for your like the sales aspect of your business to talk to a certain number of people daily
1: yeah so to start prospecting more in the gym daily uh and that's the toughest one for me
0: so how's that going
1: ah uh, not very well <laughs> not very well so i don't like it because it doesn't seem natural to me just to s- talk to people in the gym just to walk up to them and talk to them especially because we're in a uniform I feel weird in a uniform it's like very stiff so I'm still figuring that one out so I'm trying to figure out better ways to market myself
0: so what have you experimented with so far like how do you get clients right now
1: so I think the biggest thing is word of mouth ah yes and that's where quality comes in like if you really help Figure things out with people like and I think that's what a training session is mm-hmm. like you're solving puzzles for people and you're showing them how to solve it on their own. The better you do that, the more somebody's going to be like, man, you got to see this guy because of this, this, this and this. And I feel like that's the best way to get clients is word of mouth.
0: So are you keeping track of your referrals? No. bet okay, maybe we, you should be doing. Yeah, that.
1: I don't have a system. I don't. <laughs> I don't really have many systems
0: just your emails right now
1: my emails yeah my emails there's so I'm starting to get better at uh, putting in routines like Mm -hmm. things I do every day as far as organization because that's a big weakness for me
0: so what when you look at your week do you have like a breakdown like on Monday I write the blog on Wednesday I send it out on Friday I do whatever yeah
1: yeah definitely Um, there's yeah i have a specific day for blogs um but that's pretty much it all the others a lot of the stuff is outside of the gym Mm -hmm. like every day i make sure i play chess Mm -hmm. i read i write um i train and then i always try to have certain like puzzles going on in my mind too
0: what does that mean
1: like uh with clients who have certain issues. Oh, am so always thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, always having something spinning in my head. Mm-hmm. Like, what's a better way to attack this and figure mm-hmm. this out? And um, So that's some of the things I do every day. So mo- it seems like, like the way I look at it, most of the things that make me better are outside of the gym. And then when I'm in the session with my client. I feel like while I'm training somebody, that's the best time to market myself.
0: hmm that's your opportunity that's my
1: opportunity to show my authentic self Mm -hmm. and that's a really tough thing to do in a corporate gym because you're surrounded by so many people and it's loud and it's hot and it's sweaty Mm -hmm. and you have to kind of jostle for position so it's very tough it's very hard to stay focused sometimes
0: yeah i would imagine so i had a meeting at a restaurant that was hard to just to just focus focus with the person yeah
1: Yeah, you want to like, you just want to look around. I mean, it's fun to people watch, so it's hard to really just engage.
0: So how do you stay engaged with your clients when they're not in the gym? Or is that even a, like, do you do that?
1: So I don't really communicate with my clients outside of the gym.
0: Other
1: Other than the blog.
0: Your email? Other
1: than my emails. Like, I don't really text them to see how they're feeling, I don't really do much. The, we communicate on what time they're coming to train.
0: And you do that via text?
1: Yeah, via text or most people via text. Some people via email if it's, I haven't been training them for a while. so.
0: Does everyone you train follow you on Instagram?
1: Almost everybody. I think some people I train don't have Instagram.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that makes but, sense. Yeah.
1: But I think if they have an Instagram, they follow me on Instagram.
0: Are they engaged with you on Instagram? Like if you're posting one client doing this, like mm-hmm. dying, do they like interact with you?
1: I mean, they'll like it. Yeah. Not too many comments, though. I love the comments. Yeah, what are Because it takes comments? so much more effort. Oh, yeah. I don't really get them from other okay. of my clients. That's I don't know if they're scared or what. So. <laughs>
0: Maybe they just know they'll be there the next day.
1: Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> But uh, my client, I have a lot of like older clients too. Mm -hmm. So
0: They're just not on the Insta?
1: No, but a lot of my clients in the group classes are on the Instagram. So that might be a better opportunity. It's a lot younger crowd.
0: Oh yeah, I think that's an opportunity there. Yeah. Are mm -hmm. those people on your email list too?
1: No, they're not. Oh,
0: well, see, there you go. Yeah,
1: man, okay.
0: And you can like link to your Instagram.
1: Yeah, so that's the next step. Yeah, just to put them on the Instagram.
0: I think so. Well, so
1: or the email list.
0: What do you think about your Instagram? Is it more, is it an extension of your brand, or is it more personal?
1: Uh it's both. It's, it's like um, I it's an extension of my brand.
0: Are I, you your brand?
1: Yeah, I am my brand. So when I first started at the gym, they recommended you have two accounts with your social media, mm-hmm. your personal account, and then your your brand account, yeah, yeah. like your training mm-hmm. account. And I was like, man, I, there's no need for me to separate the two. Because like, my training is me.
0: That's it's like, interesting. it's like
1: one thing. So yeah. like, because my training comes from who I am. So I don't need to hide anything on my personal account that people might in my training account can't see
0: do you think that brings an element of like closeness or is like another way that you can establish trust with them
1: i think so yeah because like here i am this is me man yeah if it's it's too intense for you or it's not for you then it's not for you that's it you don't have to guess right you can see right away like oh shit this is yeah this is too much man (laughs) like (laughs) i'm not ready for that yet like give you know
0: so, do you feel vulnerable when you say, like, you are your brand? Because I've made it a point to keep my business account and my personal account pretty separate. I mean, there's yeah. some overlap there. But right, like, right. I did that so that my brand could grow outside of me. Oh, But then yeah. sometimes I think that I did it because I wanted to hide a little bit. Because I didn't want to... If it doesn't work, yeah. if let go doesn't work, then I'm disassociated. Like, it's oh, over there. Man. Yeah, yeah. I that can could just be... delete that account and move
1: on right he's cut off yeah that could be I mean I think there's definitely pros to doing that too because then you can just keep it business on that account and then your personal keep it totally personal Mm -hmm. like for me maybe there are things that I can't put on my account or my social media because it is too personal yeah so I think there are definitely benefits to doing both Uh, for me it just seems smoother And I had to think, I can think about it less by keeping Mm -hmm. it on one account.
0: Which is just so interesting to think about. Because a lot of the small business owners, I know that they are their brand. Mm. So they put that out there. Yeah. I don't, I just can't do that yet.
1: I think that's fine. I think, I think there's strengths to both. Yeah. Definitely. Because then when you have your business profiles and accounts, uh, maybe it's much easier to think about it like a business. Yeah. Like much more professional.
0: Or on the flip side, to not always think of your personal life like a business.
1: Mm, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because you could be grooming your personal exactly. life based on your business. Like, oh, it has to look yeah. this certain way and this versus just being more vulnerable and free.
0: Because I feel like there are a lot of, um, well, let's say pale- Paleo MG. Yeah. You know, like, she has made a business out of all of the things she likes mm. to do in her life.
1: Yeah, so she monetized.
0: Yeah, which is cool. Yeah. I mean, she's getting paid now. For sure. To She did a partnership for leggings. Uh-huh. So, like, she has these paid partnerships off of things she's doing in her everyday life already. So she probably, but now she's got to post about it three times a day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, man, right. So,
0: I don't know. It'd be interesting to Sucks ask Sucks the joy out of it, yeah. maybe.
1: Yeah, you can't just, like do something for the love of it.
0: Right.
1: You have to make sure you can, it's catchy and making right. money off that. Yeah. That's tough. That's tough. Yeah. And I think that goes along with like life coaches yeah. too. Because man, they're always trying to say like, they have advice for everything.
0: <laughs>
1: everything. You name it. Like relationships, uh, nutrition, uh, working out, like going to the movies. Like men, <laughs> pick anything these people can tell you how to do it perfectly
0: yeah and
1: it's like are you sure
0: <laughs> well but that's the thing are we in a society a day and age where everybody feels like they have something to say about something
1: oh for sure i mean you know for like sure. we're
0: sitting on here
1: yeah we yeah who are we who are we who are we i
0: don't know maybe no one will listen
1: <sighs> right i guess if you just say it like it's an absolute right like you've been everywhere and done everything yeah and this is this is the advice you should take. It just looks like uh, you're on your moral high horse.
0: Oh, yeah, like you're looking down thing. upon us. Right. So then how do you level the playing field? Like with your clients, how do you show them that you're human too? And that you're, you're just the same as they are? Like do you demonstrate things? Do you tell them about your failures?
1: Yes. I think that's a, yeah, that's a great point. Probably something I don't do enough, but a big one is working out with my clients. I'm the only one at the gym I've seen, one of the only ones who does it regularly. Like I'll train with my clients, and like we we do the intensity session together. So I show them, hey, this is how deep I can push. If you can push deeper, hell yeah, that's better. Like, but I'll show you where I'm at, Mm -hmm. and you'll show me where you're at, and then that's it.
0: And what do you think the results of those sessions have been?
1: Talk about trust. That's trust right there. Like you both died together on a sled sprint. What else do you have left to hide with each other? That's it, man. We both died. Like, cool. Like we can just talk about anything.
0: So you think they have more respect for you after that? Yep.
1: They have more respect for me and I have even more respect for them. And there's no no hiding. They don't have to hide because they see I'm not. Right. If I'm giving it 100%, there's no reason for them not to.
0: Right. They exactly. just Exactly. Yeah,
1: so I think that's a big one about being vulnerable is it in my profession, which is training, is doing it with the person. Mm-hmm. And not holding anything back and showing them, "Hey, yeah, I'm way stronger than you." Yeah, get stronger. Yeah. Or you're you can do this better than me. That's what's up. That's awesome. So I think that's a big one.
0: I think, too, like sharing your failures at the right time and place, mm. you know, like, yeah, yeah, I tried that, and it was really scary, and it was yeah. really hard. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, a lot of my clients are doing new things, or like they've had ideas, and they yeah. just haven't executed them yet, so letting them know, like, I don't know, it might not work. Yeah. <laughs> marketing, there's no set answer yeah. In marketing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You could try it, and we could give it a good college try and then it might not work. Yeah, And that's fine. And then we move on. But the quicker we can figure that out, the quicker we can move on to something that will work.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. Experiment with it. Play with it. Right. Yeah. I think that's a good one. Telling them like, hey, like if I'm explaining something to somebody or I want them to do something, like letting them know when I did this, man, I fucked it up.
0: Yeah. Like it was embarrassing. Yeah.
1: I fell on my face. (laughs) But then the next time I did it, it was a little better. Right. Yeah. Let them know like it's not perfect.
0: And every like everybody, it's just scary in the beginning. Remember when I started working at um, the restaurant? I was so it was my third day in my marketing director role, oh. first marketing director role ever. Yeah, I crashed the whole website.
1: Oh shit, that's right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it was like at six o'clock. I was supposed to be leaving. Was, oh man, and one quick little update, and I crashed the Boop. whole thing. I mean, and we recovered. It was fine. We have yeah. some websites now. That, that was great. Been,
1: yeah, it could have been bad though.
0: It was bad to call the GM on your third day. (laughs) Uh, Hey, I don't know who I need to contact, but I crashed the website. I crashed the
1: website. I took your restaurant down. Yeah.
0: (laughs) You can't take a restaurant offline in 2018. Uh, I mean, reservations. Right, right. Everything. Everything runs through that. Yeah.
1: But yeah, but then it's like, well, that's a good introduction because I mean, kind of...
0: Hey, yeah. And I feel like in terms of when you're managing people you want to see that they're taking risks yes i didn't crash it and leave and act like i didn't know what happened i crashed it and i stayed there until i got it back online yeah
1: because you could have tried to hide that thing under the rug and been like i don't know what happened
0: right well i don't know (laughs) wasn't me (laughs) but if you so that's like a lesson in integrity
1: yep how how well did you fix try to fix it or deal with it yeah
0: how people fail shows you a lot about them yes as a person right
1: yeah, that's the big thing, right? It's, it's how people fail shows you way more than how people win. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And the only way to fail is to take risks.
1: Yes. that. Yeah, that's a big thing. Willing to take enough risks. Because as far as learning, being willing to fail is the only way you learn. Right. You have to try random things, fail, and then take the principle from that, and then mm-hmm. forget about how you failed.
0: And that's the hard part sometimes. So cause hard. That's that little thing that comes creeping back in your head. You're yep. like, hey, You fucked this you up fucked last this time. You fucked this up last time. So how do you overcome that? Like in your training or right, right. Maybe just in life.
1: Just in life, man. That's a deep one. Because, it, it, like you said, that it always it always comes back. Um. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure that one out.
0: You just. I think the best thing is to just put one step forward, regardless. Like, you can't let that little voice win. It's like, okay, maybe...
1: So, through action.
0: Through action. Through action. Yeah,
1: through action. You know what? That's uh, a big thing I like to do with, like, the sled sprints because Julian Pinot's whole thing is burn the questions, mm-hmm. right? And he got that from Heidegger, a German philosopher. Okay. And so he, took, he read that, and he took that towards his training, because people will ask him, like, what do you say to yourself before you push the sled and you know how it's going to feel? You know that you're going to cramp up for half an hour afterwards. Right. Like, how do you talk yourself into doing that? <laughs> and he's like, burn the questions, man. He's like, so when you are doing it, you want to get to a place where you stop asking yourself why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you putting yourself through this? You want to get to that point where you're doing it just to do it. You're right. doing it because it's as simple as you're going to be better at the end of it. And so I look at that as kind of like when you burn the questions, you're, you're burning everything you were. Like you're going to take this thing from here to there and you're going to die. And then everything you were before, you're going to try to burn that off. And then you're left with something new at the end. Like the phoenix. Right. Right? You use that. Yeah. You use that fire to burn all the shitty things off of you.
0: So how do you, like, when you're dying, right? So let's Mm -hmm. say on sprint eight, you're dead. Your legs are jello. What tools do you specifically use to dig deeper in your mind? Like, do you pull on those insecurities? Do you pull on those negative thoughts as the fire to burn? Like, oh, there's still some left in here.
1: Yeah, exactly. So when I'm, I still have, like, on those last few lengths, I still have to, to finish. But my mind is telling me to quit. That, yeah, I try to dig up those things that are telling me to quit. Mm. So it's like, why do I want to quit? I know I can finish. Right. Why do I want to quit? And yeah, you try to bring those things out. And then when you finish, you burn those off.
0: I just say, fuck you and plow through it. Yeah,
1: yeah. You're like, no, I'm good. I'm good. And you just and you just keep going. Yeah. So I don't know exactly what happens while I'm doing the sprint. But I know th- those questions do come up, but I just, I think it all starts before you start to sprint. Uh, like or before your attitude? you start. Yes, your mood and your attitude before you do whatever you're about to do, whether it's uh, writing for the day, whether it's playing chess, meditating. Mm-hmm. I don't know whatever's hard for you. The mood you have before you decide to start is everything, because if you don't have the right mood or the mindset before you start. You can't really figure things out while you're doing it right? the the weaker thing is going to win once you're in the fire. Yeah. So you have to make that decision before you start like, look, no matter what I'm going to finish, no matter what. And you have to, it's like a contract you make with yourself mm. and you're saying, this is what I'm doing. I don't, it's like, I don't care if you like it or not, but I'm doing it because I know I'm going to be better because of it. Maybe that's all you say, but you make a contract with yourself and then you don't break it.
0: That's interesting because sometimes I'll negotiate with myself. So i would be like, okay, I was going to do eight sprints today, but let's just hit four. Yeah. And then usually by the time I hit four, without a doubt, I'm going to hit eight.
1: That works for people too.
0: Because it's like I've tricked my brain.
1: You tricked your brain. You tricked (laughs) your brain because then you're like, I did four already. But I I feel good now. What's four more? Yeah. Yeah, maybe sometimes eight is too daunting. Right. Yeah, so I think that's a great thing is start with what you're willing to do. Mm -hmm. But, and then go like an inch further.
0: Right. And what's a reasonable, I like baby steps. Yeah. Like in all my planning. So like, okay, this is the end goal, but like, let's hit the little goals. And then all of a sudden, we've got eight done. Mm. Right. So even if I just phrase it like, okay, we're going to do two sets of four. Then I can count to four instead of eight. Twice. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like a mind game.
1: It is a mind game. So I think that works, but with the sprint, the sprint only lasts like a minute. Mm -hmm. So my whole thing is like, just do it, like just fucking do it. Like we'll put light. Okay, you want to do it with no weight on the sled? Okay, we'll do that. So I've started to get better at that. Where I'll put like a 25 pound plate or 45 pound plate, and then. People get to like that fourth, fifth one. They start stopping and then they just like give up. And then they finish the rest of them. But the whole point is to not stop. Right. right? Because anybody can stop and go. go. So now start to say, okay, maybe we do need to build people up first. So we'll start with no weight on the sled and you'll finish six. Then with no weight, let's see if you can get eight. Mm. Now you can get eight with no weight and we'll start adding some weight.
0: So you do that over like a succession of
1: training sessions? Yeah, every week. Every week. Because I want people to do it once a week.
0: And do you think they're more responsive now?
1: Yeah, I think so. They're more willing to try. So, but I still, the first time I do it with people, I put some weight on there. Because I want to see what they have.
0: Right. Well, you don't know if you don't test them. You don't
1: know if you don't test it. Yeah, show me what you have. So i there's no reason people can't push on the first session right as long as you explain to them why yeah like they're gonna be fine because uh a big thing is like would you take like one of my uh colleagues said to me one day he was like would you take a brand new sports car out on the racetrack and just hit pedal to the metal and just floor it and i was thinking about it i was like man i'm not sure and he's like yeah he's like i wouldn't like I would take it easy, you know, break that car in mm-hmm. and uh, then down the road, see what it's capable of. Man, I don't know why, but it took me like three days to really think <laughs> about this question. And then I was like, fuck that. If yeah, I would put the gas pedal out, yeah. to the floor as soon as I got it. Right.
0: Why wouldn't you test it? Why see wouldn't what you it's test it? Of? Yeah,
1: it's it's a world class sports car. Yeah. Like, and I'm going to drive it like a Camry. I was like, no. For
0: what purpose? For what
1: purpose? I was like, is the car going to blow up? It's not a good car.
0: Katie Stanley and I. Oh, yeah. Well, sorry. I said her name. Oh, well. Oh. <laughs> Katie from Virginia yeah. and I. Mm-hmm. Um, we have this saying where you lead with your best foot, but it's like, it's ironic because really that means we like did something real fucked up. Like we got really drunk and on a first date or something oh, like that. Oh, yeah. But that, what better way? Lead with your best foot. Maybe best is the wrong word, but maybe the most honest. I want the most honest experience. Yes.
1: Yeah, the most genuine.
0: Right away. Yeah. Why wait?
1: Yeah, why wait? I feel like why that wait? can
0: be applied to so many things.
1: Right, right. And you don't have to be like obnoxious. No. But yeah, whatever's Just genuine. be genuine. Yeah, be genuine. Up front. And usually that's full of mistakes. Right. Because that's who we are. We're full of yeah. mistakes.
0: So the same with the car. So go out. See what it has, shoot and
1: see what falls off.
0: Yeah, it falls off.
1: Oh man, all these nuts and bolts—you got a problem with your car. All right. But if you just take it easy,
0: you'll never know.
1: You don't see anything. Oh, the car runs perfect.
0: Everyone likes the coast.
1: Everybody likes the coast. So that man it took me three days, and I was like, that makes me feel better about pushing people on the sled the first day. Yeah. Because it's gonna actually show me something.
0: Yeah, I and mean, it's like a test too on the first day. Because they're you're not only testing them, they're testing you. Like, yep. what are, what's this guy's boundaries? How yeah. far is he going to push me? Like, yep. he sat there and he told me all of this. Mm-hmm. But let's see what he really does. Yeah,
1: yeah. And when they drop that sandbag and I just look at him like, okay, pick it up. Yeah, exactly. They're like, oh, fuck. Right. Yeah, exactly. You show them. Look, man, the way I see you, you're all the way up mm-hmm. here. You see you as down here. So I want to help you bridge that gap Right. versus being somebody who's like, okay, I'll meet you where you're at and we'll stay here because right. it's good, it's comfortable, it's safe. I think that's appalling.
0: Yeah, but, it is. It does a disservice to the person you're supposed to be helping.
1: Exactly. You're helping them stay the same. Right. But masking it in a way that says you're helping them because they're showing up. Well, no shit, they're showing up Yeah. because it's easy and maybe they can talk to you about their life and kind of vent Mm -hmm. like they're at a hair salon but it's like dude we're not styling hair here (laughs) like we're working (laughs) so i had the whole thing about earn your conversations
0: oh yeah yeah
1: so like we can talk in between sets and things like that and we'll get to know each other of course not just not going to talk to you but i don't really care about your personal life when i first meet you yeah like let's get to work Like, you're here to work. You're here to get better. Okay, over time, we'll get to know each other and stuff. But there's so much to try to understand that if we spend most of it talking about things outside the gym, Mm -hmm. we're never going to get there. Right. So it's finding that balance, but it's like, man, show me you're willing to put in the effort first, and then we'll talk a little bit about what you want to talk about so you can rest. But if you don't put in the effort first, I have no interest in talking to you.
0: I think that's interesting because I send my clients like a questionnaire. Yeah. So it helps weed them out, uh-huh. you know, so they have to explain to me what marketing is, what they think their target audience is. Mm. And so by the way, they fill that out yeah. and they respond to that, whether they send it to me ahead of time, whether they wait till we're on the call and like, oh, I already filled it out. So then it gives me a pretty good gauge of the type of worker they are. Yeah. And then the un- level of understanding they have about their own business. So it allows me to gauge like what level we're starting at, Mm -hmm. but then also how serious they are about their business and, and what their goals are. So like maybe their goals are not big enough. Yeah. Maybe they, and some of them are, some of them have really solid visions, but some of them, I don't think so. I think they're too focused on the small picture. Yeah. Right. And so then we have to readjust because you don't need to hire a marketing strategist if you want to stay the same. Mm hmm. Yeah, And by say the same, I mean growing a little bit here or there. Like, if you want to take your business to the next level. Right. If you want to grow beyond what you've done for the past eight years, then let's talk.
1: Right, right. And that's a, a big thing. Like, Stephen Covey talks about mm-hmm. um, dependence, independence, and then interdependence. Mm. And then, um, so it's like, are your goals big enough where you need help from somebody else to help you get there. But are you willing enough to do the work on your own independently when you have to?
0: Because it's not overwhelming. Right. And I think that's the problem with a lot of people. They set these big goals and allow them to overwhelm them so then they get paralyzed.
1: And then they're dependent. Right. Where it's like, I can only do this with the help of my coach. Mm -hmm. But if I don't have my coach, I can't do it. Right. Right. Versus building them up to be independent, but then you're there when they need you. To, to check in. Yeah, to check yeah. in, to keep taking them, to help them take up a notch.
0: Yeah, and I think if you have a good plan, like with their fitness, yeah. then they ascend those levels themselves, but you've just put the blocks in place. Yes, exactly. Right. You help them put the blocks in place. Yeah.
1: And then they walk up that thing.
0: Yeah. They have to do the work yeah. though.
1: Yeah, if they're willing. That's where it comes down to. Yeah. Are you willing to? Because right. I can show you how. But are you willing to?
0: Mhm. All right, bro. We hit the one hour mark. Oh wow! <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's crazy. Okay, well, I think we can wrap it up here. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. That was a good. Uh, if they're willing to do the work, it's pretty much the point of it all. Pretty like, much. The are point you of everything. willing to do the work?
1: Yeah, because I can't do the work for you.
0: And yeah, I can't either.
1: And I will not.
0: I I won't either. So I'll help you. Exactly. Well, thanks for being on here, man. Hey,
1: thanks for having me. I appreciate it.